Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Redemption Hill podcast. We are a community of people learning the way of Jesus to bless our city of Boise, Idaho, and beyond. Redemption Hill is a unique place. We are a collective of micro churches that do life together throughout the week and gather on Sundays to grow, worship, and celebrate what God is doing in our city. You are invited to join us Sundays at 9 a.m. at Discovery Church in Boise, where you can find the community you need in any season of your life. More details can be found at redemptionboise.org. Up next is the teaching segment from this week's Sunday Gathering. Afterwards, stay tuned for more information on how to get connected at Redemption Hill. All right, well, good morning, guys. Let's pray really quick and we'll get started. Father, uh, we thank you for this time to be together, to hear from your word, to sing and praise your name, and just to be with people that we love. I'm grateful to be here this morning with all these people and just want to recognize your presence with us. You're here with us. We want to honor you and just ask for you to move in our hearts and our lives today. In your name, amen. All right, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here. And yeah, excited to be able to talk this morning on prayer. So first off, I I just want to confess that I come to you this morning as a bit of a skeptic. It's my natural disposition to doubt, to question things, and to push back. Belief, like for many of us, doesn't always come easy to me. I was raised in an environment where prayer felt kind of like duty and an obligation and any idea of like the kingdom of God breaking through or prayer initiating something supernatural in our world was not part of my understanding at all. The Holy Spirit only moved to convict people of their sin, miracles resulting from prayer and the laying on of hands from healing were gifts that had ceased to exist and anybody who said otherwise had been duped by a televangelist lining his pockets. So belief doesn't come easy for me. I've, I've had prayed many prayers in tears and watched them go unanswered in my life. And to this day, if someone tells me a story on a stage or in a church like the one I'm in standing in now, I find it hard to believe sometimes. My initial response is to reason away with logic what actually happened. Maybe you're like me. And, and I tell you that to preface this next story that I'm going to tell you. Back in May of 2021, I was just coming out of, or I was in a season of prayer and fasting. It was the first time I'd ever tried to do any sort of extended season of prayer or fasting in my life. And I was in Uganda, and towards this, I was there with a team. I had taken a trip there. And towards the end of the trip, we were celebrating the grand opening of a clinic that we were opening, and it was deep in the bush. There was no electricity no running water. We survived off solar and generators and brought water in uh, to operate this clinic. So we were in the middle of nowhere. And it was a really, really big deal in the community. I remember showing up at the clinic about two hours before the clinic was actually supposed to open. And there were these tents set up, uh, like white event tents. And there were already hundreds of people there waiting outside the clinic, waiting to receive care. Some of them, many for the first time in decades, some potentially for the first time in their life, were they getting access to free medical care? So I remember being there that morning, and 
I was kind of mingling around these tents full of people, greeting them, saying hi, trying to look for kids who knew English that I could talk to. And all of a sudden, I remember this woman in one of the corner of the tents all of a sudden fell to the ground and started convulsing. And by no means am I a medical expert or even a spiritual expert. Um, but it was a bizarre experience. And I remember watching this happen, and it felt, it felt different than anything I'd ever seen before. It didn't look like a seizure. I've witnessed seizures. It seemed even spiritual in nature. But like I said, I'm a skeptic. And so I kind of wandered around and watched it happen. And I watched these doctors sort of surround her. There was like a circle that formed around her. And there were a couple doctors on the outside of the circle. And they clearly didn't know what to do. So they decided to go back into the clinic and get some medication, I assume, to sedate this woman. So I kind of like wandered around. And I'm, I'm like walking in a circle around as I'm watching this happening, not really knowing what to do with my body. And I just felt bad for this woman because no one was near her. She was alone on the ground in the dirt experiencing this event. And I remember she was actually crying out as it was going on. She was saying, someone help me. Someone please help me. Can't you see that I need help? And it was a very bizarre thing to witness. And so I remember walking up just because I didn't want her to be alone. And I got down on a knee next to her and put my hand on her shoulder and I don't know if it was instinct or if I just felt the Lord speaking to me, but I, as I put my hand on her, I opened my palm and just say, start to pray for her and say in the name of Jesus. And the moment the name Jesus came from my mouth, whatever what was happening, just stopped. And so I'm like, I've never, I grew up Baptist, okay? So I've never experienced anything like this before. I'm like, what is going on? And so I awkwardly, like kind of later down in the grass and was like, what just, what did I just witness? Did I just witness God do something beyond my understanding? And remember, I'm a skeptic, right? So instantly, even though this thing happened right in front of me, I begin to start reasoning away in my mind what I just saw. I'm like, oh, maybe it was just chance, timing. I have no idea what happened. I'm not going to tell anybody. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. And so sure enough, I'm like processing what happens. And within a matter of minutes, this kid comes up to me, this 14-year-old kid um, named Alex from Uganda. Some of you have met Alex. And he comes up to me and he says, Andrew, I really felt like while, like before that happened, God wanted me to pick up your phone and start recording. And I'm like, yeah, okay, God tells you all the time to take my phone apparently because you're recording all the time on it. But anyway, he's recording. So anyway, he hands me my phone. And sure enough, there's a video on my phone of everything that had just happened, like what I had just experienced and witnessed. And it's all really ironic because, I mean, for years and years of my life, I really asked God for an experience like this. I've, Like many of us, I've wanted to witness a miracle or God do something beyond the bounds of what I understand. For years and years of going to Uganda, especially when I'm there praying for that, and then sure enough, not only does God let it happen, but he lets this 14-year-old kid take my phone and just happen to be filming it. Nobody even had to send me the video. It was already on my phone. I say all this because I'm still skeptic. <laughs> and maybe you are too, but I'm a skeptic who's witnessed God do things that I don't understand, who's witnessed the kingdom of God break into the world in ways that I don't know how to put into words. I believe that 
things change when we pray. That prayer is powerful. I'm not going to make some kind of outlandish claim that God is some genie in a bottle who does whatever we ask whenever we ask, and we always get our prayers answered. But I do believe that God moves when we pray. I'm not an expert. I'm just a witnessing skeptic. Jesus' first disciples could probably be called witnessing skeptics too, though. Over time, though, they begin to witness miracle after miracle and saw a pattern develop in Jesus' life and ministry. As Robert mentioned last week, they would witness Jesus constantly leaving the crowds and, and leaving the disciples to go be with the Father, whether it was in an olive tree orchard, in a garden, in the wilderness, in the bottom of a boat, or up on the mountain. It was over and over and over again he would do this. And either his disciples were with him or they would see the things that he would do when they would come back. And I think they picked up on a correlation that something that was, ha the things that were changing in the world, the kingdom of the God breaking into the world, was directly correlated to Jesus' time with the Father. So they asked him, teach us how to pray. And so we're going to be looking in Matthew 6 today where Jesus details, gives us a way, a format for how to pray. So Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to read verses 9 through 13. And through this series in prayer, we're in week two, we're just going to be moving through um, this lesson from Jesus on prayer. So it goes like this in verse 9. Jesus says, pray like this, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. We're going to focus on verse 9 today. The first little phrase there, our Father, is very significant. And if you've been in church for any period of time, you've probably heard... Uh, a preacher tried to talk about this and wax eloquent. I'm going to do my best. It wasn't entirely uncommon in that time for people to actually give analogies to talk about God as Father. Like it makes sense to think about God as a Father who provides, who protects, maybe even who cares. What, what does stand out, what is very significant, is that Jesus addresses God as Father. That's how he begins his prayer. He starts it out with, hey, dad, which is really, really wild. In the Old Testament, the Jewish people wouldn't even say the name of God out of reverence and respect. And Jesus gives us this picture of intimacy and closeness that's revolutionary. I don't know about for you, but for me, when I hear our father, it can feel kind of religious. Are, are you with me there? Like, it's in prayers that are recited very often in liturgies. And for me, it can feel potentially a little bit hollow. But that's not how it sounded to Jesus and the people who were around him at that time. It was actually revolutionary. It was deeply intimate to think of God as someone who was close, who cared about them, the very specific needs that they were going through. So Jesus says, Start your prayers like this. He doesn't even just say, I have authority to call God Father. He says, this is how I want you to pray. I want you to start your prayers with, hey, Dad. Second phrase, our Father in heaven. 
This is another one that can make it seem distant if we don't know what's happening, right? Heaven is this faraway place. When I think about heaven, I think about these like terrible images of fluffy clouds and golden streets and pearly gates and these like lifeless buildings, you know, that are all made of gold, very shiny. But who would want to be there? Like that's, I remember as a kid thinking like, that sounds so terrible. I just want to go fishing. Like I don't want to be in that place. But that's not what heaven is like at all. It's not some place far away that we quite haven't located on an interstellar map. Heaven is here and now. Jesus himself said that the kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven is here. It's among us. It's near. It isn't quite here, though. We know in the way that other things are here. It's not distant from us in the way that New York City or Uganda are measurable miles from our present location. I tend to think of it more as like another dimension. This is just an analogy. It's not real theology. But it's here. It's, it's present. It breaks into our world as we know it, but it's not quite the world as we know it. So heaven and the Father who lives there and whom Jesus is inviting us to converse with is accessible right where we are. It's not as far away as we might imagine. This idea of union, of the union between heaven and earth, is actually much of what the biblical narrative is all about. From God communing with people in Eden to the garden city in Revelation, where everything is made right. Finally, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, or may your name be kept holy. This is one that can, for me, has felt very particularly challenging throughout my life. Like, hallowed feels like a very religious word. Or saying that God is holy feels like something I'm supposed to do, but I don't know that I've always felt it. The idea of a holy God can feel disconnected. It can feel maybe a little formal, or even worse, fake for us when we say it. I don't think Jesus' point was to get us to lifelessly acknowledge something that we believe to be true. Instead, what he's saying is that an awe-inspired response to the presence of God is the only natural, sane response to God's presence. We see this throughout Scripture when people meet God and their response is awe. They fall on their knees. They're amazed. And if we believe that there is a God who is like a loving Father to us, who is near, who is present even though we can't see or feel him, and who is inviting us to be a part of his kingdom and join him in allowing the kingdom of God to take root in our world as we know it, to reshape our lives, our hearts, and the things going on in the world around us. And he's good and he's loving and he's the source of all the good things that we have. Wouldn't gratitude and joy and praise just naturally flow out of that. It's the only natural sane response to a God who is here and now and relates to us as Father. Oftentimes it's a lot easy for, easier for us to communicate and voice these sort of words that talk about holiness or the goodness of God when we sing. We did it this morning. What else is worship but prayer, but liturgy with a tune. When we sing, we're also praying. This sort of awe, one of my favorite stories of this awe in Scripture is actually in Exodus chapter 33. 
So I'm going to read Exodus chapter 33, verses 7 through 11, and it should be on the screen for you. It goes like this. It says, It was Moses' practice to take the tent of meeting and set it up some distance from the camp. Everyone who wanted to make a request of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. But whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people would get up and stand in the entrances of their own tent. They would all watch Moses until he disappeared inside. And as he went into the tent, the pillar of the cloud would come down and hover at its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. When the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they would stand and bow down in front of their own tents. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. So this is the kind of thing we're talking about. A place, a moment in time where the union between heaven and earth is happening, where Moses can speak to God face to face as though he's a friend. And it's quite a supernatural experience, right? Like I imagine I would stand in awe and amazement too if somebody went into a room to pray and a cloud began to hover over, like that would be kind of a big deal, right? I would pay attention. But there was this like real sense of awe and wonder and an appreciation for what was happening when Moses would go in and just talk with God face to face as with a friend. And because of Jesus and what he's done in his invitation, we get the same opportunity today. We get to go talk with God face to face, face as with a friend, as with a father. These kind of wild, supernatural experiences, though, in reality, do not make up the bulk of our prayer life. Miraculous healings caught on smartphones, heavy wind and tongues of fire, buildings shaking at their foundation. It's just not the norm. It's not the everyday for you and I. In fact, the bulk of our prayer life, even in the New Testament, is simple togetherness with a Father who loves us and is close to us and simply wants to be with us. A couple weeks ago, I was invited to give a talk at a school here in town, and I was actually going to talk on prayer. And it was a Thursday morning, and normally I don't work on Thursdays. Thursdays is like my day with Emily. Like hang out, do stuff. Sometimes we go to the free aquarium and Bass Pro Shops and hang out. But it's our day. And so I, I'm not used to working on that day. Emmy's not used to me working on that day. But I was like brushing up, kind of getting ready for my talk. So I was sitting at the kitchen table with my notepad and Bible and getting ready. And Emmy comes in the room and goes, Dad, tent, 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 tent. And she just repeats it over and over and over again. So I'm like, okay, I really got to work. Got to make sure I'm ready. I go to her room, and we've got this thing that our neighbor built. It's not actually a tent. It's like this folding ladder that we put a, a blanket over off of the couch, and it's Emmy's tent. We go camping in the living room in the tent. So I go into her room, get this wooden thing, bring it into the living room, throw a blanket over it. Emmy grabs some stuffed animals and goes inside. And I go back and sit down at the kitchen table and keep prepping. And sure enough, about seven seconds go by. And I see her looking from under the tent. Like, I can barely see her. And she's looking up, and she's got stuffed animals in her arms. And she's like, Dad, tent, Dad, tent, Dad, tent. You want me to get in the tent, don't you? She's like, yeah, smiles. Just cheeses at me, knows that I'm going to do it. And so 
I can't resist. So I take my Bible and my notebook and I get down on the ground and I crawl into the tent. And all that fits in the tent is like my shoulders and my head. It's like really small. And so I'm down there and I'm like, okay, I'm going I'm to like get ready in this tent. And she just starts handing me all these stuffed animals. I'm like, I'm not going to get any work done here, am I? Why am I even trying? So I just push my work to the side and begin to just play with her for a minute. And I thought of this text in Exodus 33. And it like, it hit me for a moment. I'm like, this is what you want. Like, this is it. This is prayer. You just want to be with us. You just want our attention. You want to spend time with us. You want to know us. And unlike me, who's like trying to get this work done, you know, that's all God wants from us. He's just waiting for us to say, Dad, tent. Dad, tent. To invite us to be with him, to spend time with him. Maybe you're a skeptic like me. Maybe you don't vibe with some of the religious prayers or language that happen in a church building. Maybe you have a hard time believing in miracles or that God's active and moving in our world. That's okay. I'm with you. I'm in the same boat. All prayer is, all you have to be able to do is find it within yourself to utter the words, Dad, 10. I've got this going on in my life. I need help. This is going really good. I want to say thank you. I don't know what to do. Whatever it is, all you have to do is call out. All you have to do is get his attention. And he's, he's just waiting. He's waiting to be with you. And I can't promise you that you're going to get the answer to prayer that you want. I can't promise that you're going to see a miracle happen. I can't promise that you're going to get angles and your hair is going to stand up on end. I can't make any of those promises. But I can promise that God is with you that he is going to show up. He can't help it. He loves us too much. The greatest miracle that I've ever experienced was not recorded on the scene. It was when God showed up for me just to hold me. He didn't say any words, but I just felt his presence when I felt like I was at the end of my rope and I had nowhere else to go. And that I didn't know if I would ever be standing somewhere like I'm standing right now. But he showed up and he held me in the same way that I would hold Emmy Lou if she was crying. And he wants to be there for us in that way. So that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to take some time to just be with God where we are. So some pads are going to play, some worship pads are going to play in the background. And we're going to pray. I think a helpful acronym for us when maybe if we don't know how to pray, is just simply pray, P-R-A-Y. P stands for pause. We are so busy in our worlds. Life is moving so fast. It's so hard to slow down. When you pause, R is rejoice. You begin to express gratitude for the things that God's given you. Praising him for who he is in light of that. Finally, begin to ask. Just talk to God like we did last week about what's going on in your life. Give God a life update. Maybe you're struggling with something. Maybe there's something specific that's causing anxiety or pain in your life. Bring that to God. Ask him whatever you want. And finally, maybe the most difficult is yield. Just surrender. God, your will be done, not mine, just as Jesus prayed thousands of years ago. But 
surrender outcomes and just be with God. So we're going to move through that. We'll spend a couple of minutes in each. I'll guide us through each one um, and give us transition. So let's go ahead and pause for a moment of silence and just being with God. Thanks again for listening. Make sure to subscribe to get the weekly episodes in your podcast feed. You can find out more on how to get connected with Redemption Hill at redemptionboise.org connection, where you can fill out the connect card and start your journey today. For regular encouragement throughout the week, follow us on Instagram at Redemption Boise. We are so glad you're here and are excited to accompany you in your story with God. We hope to see you soon.